Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You are listening to episode 10, Why You Should Be Teaching Social-Emotional Skills. Okay, y'all, it is time for True Confessions. I have tried every behavior system known to man. Okay, so that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I honestly have tried a ton. Throughout my time in the education field, whether it was in first grade, when I taught first grade, or when I first started teaching preschool, I tried lots of different behavior management systems. Whether it was clip charts, treasure box, marbles in a jar, compliment parties, or reward systems, sticker charts, or maybe even some more punishment-based things like walking laps at recess or sitting out at recess, I tried it. And chances are, if you have been in the teaching world for a while, you may have tried a lot of them too. But after some years of reflection, I look back and think that the one thing that these systems had in common was that they didn't work. They may have worked for some children, but they certainly did not work for all children. And the some children that they worked for may not have been the children that needed them at all. The fact that not one of those systems worked for every student should not have been a surprise because there is no one-size-fits-all solution to behavior, just like we know there's no one-size-fits-all way for children to learn because they're unique and their unique needs need different approaches. Side note, if you are wondering why I decided to banish the clip charts from my classroom, besides the fact that they weren't very effective, or if you're wondering why I no longer deal junk out of the treasure box, head on over to the show notes. I have links to blog posts in there about ditching those systems. So if the systems don't work, then what are we left with? Should we try more systems or try a different approach? Let's head the direction of a different approach. So what does work? Well, we do know that we want children to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do not necessarily because they are going to get something for it, while rewards for wonderful, you know, over-the-top things are great and they help us stay focused and motivated. Everyday things that are expected out of children, we really want them to do what's right because it's right. It's that intrinsic motivation, intrinsic, inherent, natural, innate Because we don't want to have to police children or adults the rest of their lives because they have no intrinsic motivations. When they have no intrinsic motivation, they behave based on the premise of not getting caught and having that punishment or behaving because they are looking for that reward 
for things that they already should be doing just as little humans. So if we jump back to those reward and punishment-based systems, what were they missing? You could argue they were missing intrinsic motivation because those types of systems encourage children to behave based on what they get out of it. But there's something else that those systems were missing that I think is incredibly huge. It's the piece of teaching. We are teachers and we love to teach. And if a child comes to us not knowing, let's say, the names of shapes, what would we do? Well, we would teach them, right? We would take them into small group, we would play games with them, and we would work with them to help them learn this missing skill. We wouldn't expect them to master this missing skill in one setting. We would be persistent and keep working with them, seeing that end goal in mind. And we also would never punish a child for not knowing shape names because that's just silly, right? If they don't know them, they just haven't learned them yet. And that's something that we can help them with. So let's take that same frame of thinking about how we would help children if they didn't know a certain skill like shapes and apply it to behavior. So for example, let's look at a behavior like hitting. We want to stop the behavior because it's hurting other people. And traditionally, what might we do to curb this behavior? We might try sitting the child out, maybe a timeout. Maybe they get a reward for a certain amount of time that they don't hit. Um, whatever it is, we, we tend to try it because we are desperate for this child to stop hurting their friends so that they can keep those peer interactions and the social relationships intact. But when we really stop and think about it, sitting children out or giving them a reward for when they don't hit isn't necessarily solving the underlying issue. When we look at hitting the actual act of using a hand to hurt someone else, we are seeing only the first layer of what might really be going on. Could there be a missing skill here? And this is not as obvious as the missing skill of not knowing shapes. That one's pretty obvious and we know how to fix that one pretty easily. This type of skill is hard and it's not going to show up on assessments, but it's still there. And it takes us turning in to detectives to try to figure out the reasoning behind it, to investigate, to ask the question, why? Because we could just keep going throughout our days and reminding the child that hitting hurts and that hitting is not okay and maybe sitting them out each time or, you know, giving them a reward if they can go for so long. But eventually we're going to find that the behavior comes back because that's how they're used to handling whatever situation is prompting them to hit in the first place. So that question of why is incredibly important. In this scenario, is it because he or she does not know how to handle another child taking their toy? Uh, could it be because he or she wants to play and they don't know how to ask? Or maybe is it because he or she doesn't know what to do when they're angry? It could be one or it could even be multiple reasons. So it takes us lots of observing 
and watching to try to figure out this puzzle, right? It's definitely a unsolved mystery for a while. And the more you know about the child, the better relationship you have with them, the more you know about their family and just things going on is really going to give you a leg up in trying to solve this mystery. So real life example here, I had a student once who was an only child and I actually um, know exactly where he lives because we lived down the street for a time. So I had a leg up in knowing that how he played in the neighborhood was pretty rough play because there were lots of boys and lots of swords and lots of things going on with that rough play. So it's probably no surprise that he brought that rough play to school because this was the only way he knew how to play with others. So obviously knowing all the information that I knew about him, I already knew what I needed to do. And so I sat down and talked to him and we talked about types of play and how not everybody likes to play the same. Some people like to play quiet. Some people like to play soft. And some people like to play rough, but when they are done, they're going to tell you to stop and we have to respect that. And you know, you never really truly know if you're getting through to them in the moment when you're talking to them about this. But I assumed, yes, we were going to have to have multiple conversations around this. But lo and behold, we are outside playing and I overhear him walking up to a friend in a different class and saying, what's your play style? And of course, that friend just looked at him very strangely because they didn't know what he was talking about. But he asked, how do you like to play? Do you like to play rough like me? And the friend said, no, I don't. And then he proceeded to say, so if I play calm and nice, can I play with you? To say that my teacher heart literally was jumping out of my chest is an understatement. I could not have been more proud of him. And it just proved to me, again, that really teaching our children about these things instead of using punishment or reward systems really makes all the difference. Because I could have used a traditional approach and maybe had him sit out every time he hit a friend and was rough with a friend. But when you look back on it, I think, oh my goodness, how much time might have been lost? How much would I have maybe not meaning to hurt his relationships with others? Or even, and this may sound extreme, but hurt his thoughts around school because school is a place where he's finding himself in trouble a lot. And obviously that just literally hurts my heart to even think about, but I think it's a great reminder of how the way we respond to children really, really has a bigger impact than we might think. And so, of course, that example was a fairly easy one for me because I did have the background knowledge. But if I didn't, it would be great for me to sit down with mom and really get to know kind of who does he play with? Who does he hang out with? How old are they? What are the relationships there? And so I can kind of start to understand where he's coming from. So as you can see, finding that second or third layer of why this behavior is happening is 100% where the magic happens because that's where you can take it and you can teach it. And so by teaching it, we are just teaching them a skill like we would be teaching them a missing skill with shapes. It's just not as easy to find what the problem is 
but it is so incredibly worth it in the end because these are skills they're going to take with them long out of our classroom. So teaching missing skills is the biggest why of why we should be teaching social emotional skills. We have to find out what that problem is hidden behind the behavior and teach a better way. I also have another blog post called What Are Preschool Behaviors Telling You? And I'll link that in the show notes. But this post can help you learn how to identify what behaviors might be telling you. You'll find the show notes at www.lovelycommotion.com slash episode 10. And in the next couple episodes of the podcast, we are going to continue with social emotional skills and learn about which social emotional skills we can teach the children and how to teach them. Thanks for joining me today. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely. Lovely.